listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, February the 18th, in the year of our Lord 2019. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and as is our custom on Mondays, we take a look at one of the lessons for the following Sunday, which just so happens to be the last Sunday in the Epiphany. We've had a lengthy time for the Epiphany, looking forward to getting into the season of Lent. But one of the lessons for the last Sunday in the Epiphany is from Genesis chapter 45. So we're going to be taking a look at that. It begins with verse 3, but I want to give you a little uh, background of that before we do that. The brothers of Joseph are in the presence of Joseph. Jacob has died. And the brothers are saying, how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? I fear to see the evil that would find my father. So Jacob has not yet died, but... Benjamin, you know, he was found to be with a stolen item from the palace, and therefore he was going to be kept there. And the brothers are saying, please don't let us go back to our father without Benjamin. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him. When Joseph made himself known to his brothers. See, up to this point, they hadn't realized that this was Joseph. They had dropped him off, you know, in a pit for individuals to sell him as a slave in Egypt. And it was quite a time since this had occurred. Verse 2. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. Now, we need to understand, why would they be dismayed at realizing this was Joseph? Because they had sold him into slavery. They had been very mean to him. They had been wicked in what they had done. And now he's second in command under Pharaoh? You can understand how dismayed they would be. It kind of reminds me of the night of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, where the disciples were cowering in fear in the upper room, not only for fear of the Jews because they too could have been taken into captivity. But of course, they had no understanding of why Jesus had died on the cross. So, Joseph says, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? And his brothers could not answer them. So he says to them, this is verse 4 of chapter 45 of Genesis. Come near to me, please. And they came near, and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. 
Now, there is a man who has faith. And when we talk about faith, we don't mean that he just believed in the true God. But the object of faith in the Bible is always the promises of God. And Joseph knew that God would be taking care of him. Uh, How many times does something bad happen to you and then you wonder, oh my, how am I going to get out of this? And then God surprises you. I I mentioned something like this that happened uh, yesterday in the sermon I was talking about. I am also doing some preaching on Wednesday nights. And unfortunately, during January, the weather was such that the worship services on Wednesday night were canceled. And I'm thinking, oh boy, you know, I received some funding for it. What are we going to do without that funding? Well, on Friday, I was kind of going through some PayPal items that we have, and I suddenly realized that people had given gifts to various PayPal items that I have of quite a bit of money. And it offset the amount that I lost. And immediately I thought, oh, wow. God knew what he was doing ahead of time. For the safety of the people, we did not have worship services because of the ice and the snow. And yet, God had a plan that I was unaware of that I became aware of it. Now, does that always happen? Well, the one item always happens, that God has plans you are not aware of, working out for good everything that happens to you, even what appears to be evil or bad. What doesn't always happen is that you become aware of it as to what was the good. Sometimes you're going to have to wait till you get to heaven to see the good that came out of some of the plights and the tragedies that you were involved with. In this case, Joseph saw the big picture. God had him sold into slavery so that he would go to Egypt. Then he went into jail because of the lies of Potiphar's wife against Joseph. And then in jail, he told the dream that a butler and a baker had, which came true. And later on, one of them told Pharaoh, when Pharaoh had a dream, well, there's this Hebrew in jail that appears to be able to tell what dreams mean. And after he told Pharaoh the meaning of the dream about the great famine that was going to be coming, and yet God was giving plenty of years to stock up on food, Joseph became second in command in Egypt and saved many, many people. That's what he's talking about. For God sent me before you to preserve life. And then he explains in verse 6, For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest, because it was a total of seven years of the famine. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. 
So is it was not you who sent me here, but God. Wow. Wouldn't that be wonderful if we were able to have that attitude all the time? Uh, a lot of people in the pews are going through difficult times. And they're wondering, why would God allow this to happen? Uh, some of them even have the thought, what did I do to deserve this? Forgetting that in their confession of sin, they say they deserve nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. But that God was behind all the action in Joseph's life is something that the pastor could use in this text to show that there's nothing that happens in the life of a Christian that God is not behind, is not watching over, and is making sure his promises are sure, such as all things will work together to your good, or I will never send you a temptation beyond your ability to endure it as you turn to me for help. These are promises from God that are absolutely sure. And Joseph was able to recognize that when he saw how many people were saved because of what God had done. And therefore, verse 7, And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. You know, that's really a, a, a good understanding of reality for the Christian. Nothing happens to you that God is not aware of and is directing. And then Joseph continues, God made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and rule, ruler over all the land of Egypt. That's faith. Now, I can understand the brothers still kind of worried because when Jacob does finally die, wow, they are imagining that, uh-oh, now Joseph is going to get even with us. And unfortunately, Jacob, when he does die, he dies in Egypt. And Joseph therefore says something to his brothers that is really, really important. It's in chapter 50, verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they say, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. And so they asked Joseph to forgive them. And Joseph said to them, this is verse 19 of Genesis 50, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Now that's really how we love our enemies. But getting back to 
chapter 45. Thus says your son Joseph to go to the father and say, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children and your flocks, your herds and all that you have. Therefore, I will provide for you. For there are yet five years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. And now your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see, that it is my mouth that speaks to you. This is Joseph speaking to the brothers. Remember, they came in pleading that he would not restrain Benjamin from returning to the father. And then they hear this. This is Joseph himself. And he continues, You must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt and of all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. So you can imagine that the loud crying of Joseph was heard even by the household of Pharaoh. And so the report came to Pharaoh Joseph's brothers have come, and it pleased Pharaoh and his servants. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, say to your brothers, do this. Load your beasts and go back to the land of Canaan, and take your father and your households and come to me, and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you shall eat the fat of the land. And you, Joseph, are commanded to say, do this. Take wagons from the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives and bring your father and come. Have no concern for your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. And the very next verse, 21, the sons of Israel did so. And Joseph gave them wagons according to the command of Pharaoh and gave them provisions for the journey. Now, you got to remember that the family of Joseph, they were not Egyptian. And so you wonder, well, Pharaoh could have said, no, we don't want these foreigners coming into the land, and boy, even least are we going to be giving them the best of the land, which Goshen was. But God had moved the heart of Pharaoh also at that time to give provisions for the journey. And to each of them all, he gave them a change of clothes. But to Benjamin, he gave them 300 shekels of silver. That's quite a bit. And they went back and they went and got J Jacob and Joseph brought his family to Egypt. Now, there's two ways that the sermon can be dealt with in this. The one way is to explain 
how important it was that Joseph forgave his brothers and how God was involved in everything that was going on. But the second part of the sermon is the most important, where you now apply the biblical text to the people in the pew. And I I said last week, uh, a sermon, when the pastor preaches it, does need to attack the people in the pew. Or a better word would be accuse the people in the pew. Or to criticize the people in the pew. What criticism comes out of this text? A very simple one. How many times do we as human beings imagine that God is not in charge of our life? That things are not going the way we had hoped, the way we had planned, the way we expected. The promise is that God is in charge of our life. And as I've already indicated, that call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you. We may not see with our eyes the evidence of that delivery. I mean, look how many Christians are being put to death in other lands because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And others don't see that immediately they are in the spirit with Jesus in the interim, the time between their death and judgment day. But we know that to be true because God so promises it that through faith a person receives the righteousness of Christ and is in heaven. How many times do we in the pew get upset over really small things? Uh, For example, in the coffee hour before us, there was a writer who had written a book, and she was saying she was having a bad day, and the kids were noisy, this kind of stuff in the household. And somebody came to the house, I believe it was, and said that the book she had written had made a tremendous help in that person's life. So there was an example where you're not probably having a good day for one reason or another, and then God does something like that. And it really makes you think how important God is in your life. In fact, uh, in the Bible study, one of them I gave yesterday, I talked about when things aren't going good for you, maybe something you expected to happen didn't happen, what you need to do is go and sit down at a table with a piece of paper and start writing down all the things for which you are thankful to God. You you have a house, you have a car, you have children, you have a job. Now, every family, every person is going to be different. Even shut-ins who may be not any longer having a spouse or a family to visit them, God willing, the f- pastor is still coming to give them the Lord's Supper uh, a devotion. As I say to many shut-ins, when you can't make it to church, the church comes to you. 
And as you start to write down all of the blessings that God still gives you, even in the worst of your problems, it's a way of kind of understanding the Psalms. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's what it says. But a lot of times we feel we do want. We want what we expected to happen after we did something. We want our hopes and our dreams to be fulfilled, especially if we put a lot of work into them. And a lot of times it doesn't happen. And every one of us can think back on occasions when what we wanted to happen didn't happen, and yet as we look back over time, there are a number of occasions when we see, well, this is what God had in mind. Whether we get to the faith of Joseph, that when somebody does something against us and it hurts our reputation or we may not get a promotion or whatever, that we get to the point where we tell the person who is responsible for hurting us, you know, it wasn't you who did this. It was God who did this because he had a bigger plan for me. And sometimes we can see the bigger plan, sometimes we can't. But it doesn't matter if we can't see the bigger plan because the promise is still there. And that's what faith is. Believing the promises of God even though we have no evidence that they're coming true. I mean, how many times does that happen when you were a child? Your parents had all kinds of rules, and some of them you didn't like, like having to go to bed early so you could be awake at school. I've told you a couple of times that for a while I had a little radio with an earphone that I had under my pillow and I could listen to the Lone Ranger or some of the other wonderful films, movies, etc. that were on the radio at that time. And so pretending to be asleep, I still had that little radio. <laughs> so when we look back over our life and when we look at our life right now, the worst thing that can happen, I believe, is our loved one is going through a tough time. Maybe it's a child, it's a spouse, it's a neighbor, it's a relative, somebody at work, and we can't do anything about it. There is where we rest in God, knowing that he has a purpose. And we pray that if the person is a Christian, we can be sure that that is going to work out. We don't know how it's going to work out, but the faith of Joseph is something really important. Remember when an individual dies, a Christian, at the funeral, what are we to imitate? It doesn't say to imitate their works because we're never really sure what the motivation is behind their works. What we're to imitate is their faith. And what does that mean? How did they trust the promises of God? And for those of us who were in Christian families and the Christian congregation, it's really obvious how those promises come about. 
I mean, what pastor can't tell you about visitors who had come to church, maybe they were invited by a member, or maybe they were in town for a celebration, and so they also attended church. And after a while, maybe a couple of weeks, after what they had heard in church, they asked, could I be baptized? And that did happen to us not long ago. And we baptized a young man who has faith in Jesus Christ, and we're preparing to help him through adult instruction so he'll have a better understanding and knowledge of that which he believes in. God does work out all things for the Christian, and that's where our faith is. And so I think this example of Joseph, his faith is what we need to really look at if we're going to be preaching on this particular text. And as I indicated, this is the last week preparing for Epiphany. So tomorrow, with the help of Mark Smith, we'll be looking at one more hymn that's assigned for the seventh Sunday after the Epiphany. Be with us tomorrow, and we'll give you some insights from that hymn. I'm Tom Baker. God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.